The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom, episode 21, your last episode of the regular season. As we crank things out here, got some, got a fun bloom, a couple of fun bloom boards that Ryan put together for us on this episode. A little bit of news, victory lap season for somebody on the show, and much, much more. You can find myself on Twitter at BDNTrick and my co host, as always, on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? We made it, man. Last one. It feels like we just kind of kicked off our. This this endeavor back in it was funny. Like I remember we were talking kind of like draft season. We were going back and forth. Like yeah, let's let's do this. Let's kind of do a regular thing. And that was back when I mean, it seems like the lockout was like ten years ago. Um, yeah. But I remember when the lockout March tenth and the lockout kind of ended. You texted me and said let's do this. So yeah. glad we could see it all the way through. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to. A good off season. We'll, I mean, I figure we'll keep going most most oh, yeah. weeks during the off season, yep. and then uh, kind of breaking news. But we'll be doing a live show in Arizona in five weeks, man. So I, yes. I absolutely cannot wait. We just uh, be awesome. Found out today that 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 we'll have a live show um, out out at first pitch. So I'm I'm stoked. 
Yes, the guys at HQ were uh, short people. They were desperate, so they called in the B squad. Right. Yeah, right. And, and literally the Bloomfield and Bubba squad. So uh, the B squad, and we'll uh, we'll we'll be there to to get you guys pumped up in the evening. Beverages will be encouraged, and and participation as well. So it'll be a fun yep. show. Won't be a serious show. We'll we'll get stuff done. We'll get you content, but it'll be a fun one. So we're looking forward to it. So if you do make the trip to FPAS, as we've talked about in the last few episodes, you got that to, I guess, look forward to. I know we're looking forward to it. We're both very excited about it. Absolutely. So, uh, and there is, just, just a quick plug, there is. So this episode will drop Friday. Friday night is HQ's last kind of pricing deadline. So um, I think it's 349 349 399 It's on the website, uh, but it goes up to like 500 the full cost after that. So... Friday is your last chance to get uh, to save a little bit of money um, on it if you're if you're still on the fence at this point to yep. come out and see us. Again, we highly recommend it. We're not just saying it because you know we get to work with them, but it's a, it's an awesome experience. I'm looking forward to it. Lots of baseball, uh, World Series, and baseball live. A lot of great people, a lot of great content, a lot of great just fun. So I, I highly highly recommend it if you can pull it off. It's a it's a great time and free golf for one of us. Yes, we will get to that shortly, and you can guess who it is already by that comment. But uh, we we will get to that, um, and uh, it'll be fun regardless. Um, let's talk about some uh, recent news. We want to go over all the injuries because those don't really matter anymore. Yeah, you, you should have dropped them already, most likely, or you're going to drop them this weekend for hopefully some relievers we talked about last week. Hopefully, that helped you guys out. As some of those guys are already paying dividends if you added them this week, um, and it's been pretty pretty good stuff there. So check out that leverage tool over on HQ if you're an HQ subscriber. That's a quite the nifty little thing that Ryan unleashed. That uh, it it is not that uh, commonly talked about. Let's put it that way. So it's it's a really cool thing. But uh, we'll start with Francisco Alvarez, big time prospect for the New York Mets. A lot of pop in that bat. They're calling him up for the last few games, saying they want to DH him, get his bat in the lineup. They need a little spark as they go into Atlanta for a huge series this weekend, and they're fighting for that NL East. You want that NL East because you have the likelihood of a bye week or a bye series. So it's a big deal for the Mets. He's not playoff eligible because he has to be up before September 1st, but they don't care. They just want that bat to get them to the postseason. So this is a big deal, especially for like just a three-game waiver week potentially, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the Mets are pulling out all the stops as they should. This this is going to be a fun weekend series with Atlanta. I mean, there is a a lot on the line with that. Uh, I mean, the, the the postseason I've always said is it's a coin flip, mm-hmm. and just being able to get that by in the first series is is just a massive uh, massive advantage that is obvious enough. But fantasy wise, like yeah, I mean, a catcher like Alvarez was and. <laughs> We make this joke almost every week. This will be the last prospect that, yeah. that will be available in February. I can confidently say Peace. this will be the most highly rated prospect for a dollar, probably <laughs> the last part of the season. Yeah, like um, I don't. I, it. We'll see how much he plays. It, it sounds like, like you said, Bubba, DH, and it might just be against lefties. And the Mets get Max Freed on Friday, so maybe. And that's the only lefty. It's Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton. After that, so. Um, I mean, I wouldn't go overboard. I mean, I guess at this point, like you're just spending what you have, no matter what you need a catcher. Um, Alvarez is, is going to play at least that Friday game. And then they get, uh, Ooh, they get Patrick Corbin, uh, that Juicy. Monday and then, uh, two righties to close it out. So, um, I mean, who, I mean, we all know this is tiny sample season. Anything can happen, but, uh, it is at least worth noting that Alvarez had an ankle injury, but since he got back from that ankle injury, 13 games at AAA, slashing 362, 483, 
596. So like the dude has impact power and is legit. Will that kind of carry over to this last week? I have no idea, but it'll be fun to see him. It'll be fun to see. And yeah, even in that, that Washington three game series, you get Corbin on Monday. If for some reason they just let him play, Josiah Gray gives up all the home runs and you get Eric Fede on um, Wednesday. Yeah. So that is a great three games to go for if uh, he somehow gets the run there. So definitely something got to keep an eye on, especially the catcher's position where who knows what you got going on right now. It's been an up and down roller coaster all over that position all season long. Let's go to the fish, the Miami Marlins. They activated Avisil Garcia and Joey Wendell. They've been guys have been off and on the IL in Miami all season long. It's been a brutal go with that roster. And you get these guys back for the last few days. Um, you know, they're obviously not playing for anything, but they're gonna get their at bats because that's what they do. So any interest in a guy like Avi or Joey Wendell is when you look at Miami real quick. Uh, they got Milwaukee this weekend, but then they got Atlanta, Elder, Odorizzi, and Freed next week. And we'll yeah. see. Maybe Atlanta clinches it by sweeping the Mets this weekend. Who knows? So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, and that last Wednesday against Freed, like if if things are settled postseason-wise, yeah, I can't him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I can't see them throwing that. And then Atlanta is kind of using all their, their big bullets this weekend against the Mets for obvious reasons. Um Avisel Garcia hit a grand slam tonight. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, like, if if you're listening to this and you're still scratching and clawing for every counting stat, a kudos. That's awesome. Um, that's part of the thrill of of this game we play. But b these are guys, especially Garcia, I think, who's going to play. Uh, Wendell's more just against right-handed pitching, and I believe out of the last, well, again, we'll see with Freed, but they get two lefties out of the last six games. So um, not going to play all the time, but um, Garcia, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm an Avisail Garcia stan. He's, it's been a terrible season for him, but who knows? Just like I said, just hit a grand slam, hit strike while the iron's hot. If you need an outfielder. Yeah. I'll get suckered back into him next year because he's got that power speed combo that you get so late in a, in a draft. Like he's a, we always called him Mini Miggy back in the day, yep. and in, in reality, if you look at his overall stat profile, maybe a slightly better better batting average, he might be like a Mini Adelise Garcia now. When you look at things, so it, it'll be uh, fun to see where he goes if healthy next year. But yeah, definitely worth a potential spot as long as he can keep Brian De La Cruz out of the way, who's crushing everything right now. So yes. there's your September sample size that it's going to move draft boards for you right there. Uh, Brendan Rodgers returns for the Colorado Rockies. If that means anything to you, because they're in LA for six games. Uh, four lefties technically, but LA's obviously wrapped things up. They were using an opener before Heaney on Thursday. So they're obviously just trying to get a little bit of work in for all their pitchers. It's going to be some weird stuff. I would be shocked even if Kershaw makes that last start. Like, why would you pitch Clayton Kershaw right there and risk anything? I have no idea. So you get Rodgers back. I don't know if it means a whole lot, though. Yeah, not. I mean, especially with the matchup. And like we said last week, like Coors is shut down for the season. So um, it's all away games. It's all at L.A. Like that's uh, that's just a brutal way to end the season. And I don't know. Um, we just kind of put it on here because if yep. Brendan Rodgers probably dropped in your redraft leagues and if you need a body in the middle infield, he will I mean, play. Yeah. He will play. And he's actually I mean, hitting 261, 11 homers like the the, the production hasn't been that great but strikeout rates decent raw power is decent just needs to hit a few more fly balls but uh but that's what the offseason is is for we'll we'll dive deeper into all these guys but uh but yeah if you need a body and you need middle infield go for him no doubt about it now fun one here wilson Contreras is back 
off the IL. He's got three against Cincinnati this weekend and then three at Cincinnati next week. Hunter Green leads things off, who's been great, but Sessa, Ashcraft, Great American Small Park. So not just Contreras in the grand scheme of things. Look at all your Chicago Cubs for streaming yeah. next week in Great American Small Park against some very suspect pitching. But uh, Wilson's back, and he's been dropped in some leagues. So you will be able to grab him for like a buck if you really need to. And he's definitely a guy to roster going for like over uh, Francisco Alvarez in yes. a heartbeat, people. So like yeah. make that happen. Yep, for sure. And like and 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 a defendable drop, uh Wilson oh, Contreras, yeah. if you don't have IL. Like I didn't think he'd be back. And um this is maybe just kind of a last swan song again with the Cubs because everyone thought he was gonna get traded and he didn't at the trade deadline. But uh but yeah, I mean for all the reasons you just mentioned, Bubba, like the, the Cubs have the best uh remaining schedule, I think, uh, except for that hundred green start. We'll talk about hundred green in a little bit. Bloom boards, uh legend almost 100 green yes. at this point but uh yeah you love those matchups for the cubs with six against the reds from here on out uh j-rod is back he's gonna he's supposed to be back the whenever he gets off the il i guess monday is the day they're picking they got detroit for four games one of the few teams with four games next week so that becomes huge because we know detroit's pitching not good uh good chance j-rod did not get dropped but if he's available, obviously he's a huge pickup and just get him back in your lineups because he should mash as uh, Seattle's postseason bound. They are, yes, very likely postseason bound. I guess it's not totally official yet, but they will probably snap the longest drought in professional sports currently uh, for uh, postseason appearances. And yeah, it's worth a check just to see if J-Rod is available on your waiver wire. I mean, again, a defensible drop. We weren't sure if he would even uh, be back, especially with you know kind of the nature of the back injury. But um, love the matchups. Semi-related, uh, Jared Kelnick, the ghost of Jared Kelnick, hit another home run Thursday night, has looked really good. Lately. Really good. And uh, again, four games against Detroit. Like you're trying to scratch and claw every counting stat next week. Uh, take a look at Kelnick. Yeah, I haven't dug super deep into the final week schedule just yet, but right around the gate, the Cubs and the Mariners are two teams that I have circled, right? Like mm-hmm. hard on this one because two for like you got the four games for one, but Detroit's a great matchup to begin with. So some really good spots to, uh, to take a peek at going into the next week. And then last but not least, we talked about the Dodgers pitching already and how they're going to move guys around and do some you know, openers and whatnot. Tony Gonsolin's coming back. He's had a few rehab outings. Looks like he's getting back to normal. Supposed to come back on Monday. Uh, it looks like they're limited to three innings, as you said. But um, just to get him stretched out and going for the postseason, so he's a guy to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, I mean, this this might seem like a kind of a meaningless topic or headline because, yes, Gonsolin's back, but it's only going to be for three to four. The thing I want to like take away from this is just keep looking at these tidbits. And if you see the headline, Gonsolin to return Monday, dig a little bit deeper and see with a lot of these guys, with these starters, how deep are they actually planning to go because that's going to be a theme this last week if you're if you're trying to eke out that last win or two um just because Gonsolin's back there's like zero percent chance of him actually getting that so uh just keep on it especially Sunday and then throughout Monday when teams give their updates for the week there's going to be a lot of rotation shuffling these last four days there always is and um again if you're trying to 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 claw out any strikeout or win keep an eye on workload if there's any tidbits from uh from managers so gonsolin's just an example of that yeah look at those teams that have clinched already houston stands out in a big way they have verlander going the final day i don't see that lasting too long no. just throwing <laughs> that out there uh lance mccullers missed his last start because he had a, a stomach virus apparently 
they're going to want to stretch him out a bit, but he's not going to go crazy. So a lot of these teams that haven't clinched, maybe listen to last week's episode, you might want some relief pitchers instead of some of these starters you got. That's why we talked about it because, you know, Verlander's great, but he's three innings of Verlander, what you need? I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting prop, proposition to, to dig into a little more, but something to think about as you head into your final waiver period of the season. All right, the moment that one person on this show has been waiting for this entire time, and his name's Ryan Bloomfield, as he smoked me the last like three weeks of the season to run away with our weekly picks proposition. And as usually, he uh, me got me by one strikeout again. That feels like a trend this season. <laughs> Um, but uh, Ryan got the job done. I'm going to give him the floor. We have He's going to get a free round of golf in Arizona. Yeah, that was the wager. Every week we picked a hitter and a pitcher. Strikeouts on the pitching side, runs, RBI, hits on the hitter side. I I, I must say I did I did close pretty pretty really strong, strong here. Really I, strong. I won the you last You and Edwin Diaz on me. They played yes. the trumpets. They, they, they may be playing the trumpets for me when I get that free green fee. Mm-hmm. in uh in phoenix so um i don't know felt kind of weird billy billy falter had six strikeouts but he also gave up six runs <laughs> which which is not ideal against uh atlanta and then i also still have that kind of dirty feeling of taking dustin may yeah, at uh, least it wouldn't have mattered it wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered, mattered. Yeah, wouldn't have mattered. You're right. And the crazy thing about that uh, was that weekend where Dustin May had nine Ks. That was like his only, only good start. Start. Um, <laughs> he is on the IL. Suddenly, like L.A. Man, they're a great team, but God, that rotation in the playoffs—that's not set up right now. Man, I'm just looking at our leaderboard. How many you beat me by? Like one in hits or pitching? Like this is ridiculous. So yeah. Wait. I can't wait till next I, year. I did count all these manually. So if uh, you are interested in a recount, you. I trust you. No, no, I, I believe with the voter system worked here. We're good. Right. I, don't, I don't need anything changed. We're fine. Um, I'll make sure we pick a good golf course for you. We'll have some fun. No TPC right. Scottsdale, but we'll play something. I think, nice. I think Troon, TPC, um, <laughs> and any of the above. Fantastic. I'll see what I can do. I'll, I'll, I'll tell Brent that uh, this is on HQ. Um, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, Ryan got it done. I'm looking forward to a full season of it. That'll be good. One thing we do need to do in the offseason is go back and look at our pitching things we did, like, yes, two months ago. That's right. Maybe, we'll yeah. Have to, we'll, we'll have that. to recap that and our see how that under for ERA. Out. Yeah, so I think we I think we made a deal for like a beer or two when we were in Arizona. So that might be another one to, to check in on before Time to revisit that one before Arizona. So maybe I at least I'll get something out of it. It's probably not probably not probably gonna have an expensive trip to Arizona. We'll see how it goes. But I think uh, I just got free golf and, and you know, beer. a few beers after the yep. after after the round on the nineteenth. This will be good. Ryan's going to have a great trip. Great trip. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. We'll do it again next year. Hopefully you guys helped you guys out because I know it helped me out just getting ready for uh, fab and everything, kind of getting an idea on uh, what to look for and whatnot. So we'll, we'll build on that next season. It'll be a lot of fun too. All right. Let's do it. Let's talk bloom boards. We got two. We got pitching. We got hitting. It's a fun one. Ryan tweeted out the hitting one on Wednesday. Tweeted out the pitching one on Thursday. Yep. And it's it's fun because we joke about it, but it's true. If you play in any fab leagues, you play in any leagues, period, the interest in your fantasy league dwindles after football begins. That's just the facts. And so Ryan made some boards that basically says, hey, since you're not paying attention, probably look at these pitchers and these hitters that have done really good or really bad since football started. Just to give you a heads up, 
because also people will notice this come like February when they start draft prepping and they'll be like, Oh wow, these guys finished so good. And then it changes everything in your, in your, uh, in your draft rooms, like us that degenerates that draft in November, December, we can take advantage of it and, and see where it goes. So Ryan, uh, I'll let you start with the pitching one as you used our go-to stat, our go-to stat for pitching. Strikeout minus walk rate for pitchers. And and yeah, so this was like, and and so prime example of this is, and Bubba, you set this up perfectly. Like, yeah, it's just the nature of our game. When when football starts, people check out, especially if you're not in the running, and you just lose sight of recent performances. So what I did with these two boards on the pitching side, it was more of a skills-based thing. So I took the strikeout minus walk rate. Again, if there's one metric that you want to use for, um, for pitching success, that's it. Clean and simple. Just kind of threw that on there. I did strikeout minus walk rate since September 8th, which sounds completely arbitrary, but it, that is the Thursday night game when Buffalo uh, smacked the Rams and kicked off the NFL season. Um, and so I just wanted to take strikeout minus walk rate since that game and compare that to the season and see which guys have increased the most and which guys have decreased the most. And we'll get into some of those guys. The, the, one, the one guy I think is just a perfect example of, the, of this is the number one gainer in strikeout minus walk rate since the NFL season started, and that's Brandon Woodruff. If you're more of a kind of, and we've talked about Woodruff a lot on the pod, but if you're more of like a, a casual player and, and you had a, you drafted Woodruff early, you have this perception of a pitcher who had a 530 ERA in April, a 432 ERA in May and probably tanked a good portion of your pitching staff. And if you checked out or just haven't been checking out is kind of a, that's, that's a little extreme, but you just haven't been paying as close attention in, in recent uh, months. Brandon Woodruff's monthly ERA 180 in June. That was just one start 210 in July, 270 in August and 233 in September. Brandon Woodruff's last four games, double-digit strikeouts in each of those, 11-10-11-10 with uh, five total walks in each in those four games combined. So, like, that is someone who looks like a complete ace who I don't think people have really – I haven't seen much fanfare on Brandon Woodruff lately, and um, um, it's just a perfect example of a guy who's just surging right now and and no one's really paying attention to it. I hundred percent agree. Like even yesterday on DFS, I was in my in my chat room. I host. I was telling guys, hey, you know, that people are gonna all pay for Cole or gonna pay for all these guys. Might pay for Woodruff. He's cheaper by a little bit. He's still expensive, but he's been so good. No one pays attention to him, and he's just doing what Woodruff does. I went into the the season going, I and mean, we were all in agreement that yeah, Burns is great, and it just happens to be Burns has struggled a bit down the stretch here. But I said it. I said if Burns didn't have the end of the season he had in twenty twenty one people be talking about Brandon Woodruff instead of Burns because Woodruff was that he's doing the same thing he did last year. He finished so good last year, which is like under the radar because Burns was just doing everything and people forgot how good Woodruff was, why he was still the number one in Milwaukee. And then it switched obviously, but he is that good. And it's something to think about in draft season next year. If like, you want to be a little more cautious and, and pitching can change guys get hurt all the time, but he is that consistent force in that rotation. He's like, there's not as much volatility with Woodruff yet. Again, things can change with pitching. But you mentioned some of the stats with him, and I'm just going to go back to when we – it was around the time when we talked about our, our um, you know, our, our game we played with pitching. 
and he was on the IL and he was having that horrible start to the year. Mm-hmm. Well, he returned on June 28th. I pulled up his stats here. He's made 17 starts, 234 ERA, 302 XFIP is insane. 130 strikeouts and 103 innings pitched, a 24 to 7 K to walk, which is still very, very good. Um, he's just been ridiculous, less than a home run per nine. He's doing what Brandon Woodruff does. Like, in, and I, I said last season as an example, Last year, 256 ERA, 305 XFIP. This year, 305 after that horrible start, 315 XFIP. The strikeout rates are very similar. The dude is as consistent. And you look back in 2020, 305 ERA. The dude has put it up time and time again. So, like, we'll talk about him again in the offseason, but it's a great one to mention here because most people aren't talking about him. And he is that good. He's a reason why Milwaukee still is fighting right now. Uh, and because Burns has blown up, um, Lauer has gone away. Peralta has been hurt. Woodruff has Ready? kept them going. Yep. Peralta so, got, got hammered tonight in relief. So, yeah. so it's been like Woody is that guy that does not get the love. But he's just a workhorse. And uh, I think, yeah, it's a great one. Great one to mention right there, right out the gate. Uh, Stan, it's, it's a great point for this whole exercise, as you said. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, but this guy you mentioned earlier, and it's been awesome because we talked about with hitting prospects, pitching prospects, we talked about with Bayo last week, when I or two weeks ago when I picked him, that you know if people forgot about that first start and you saw what he's done since then, he he still thinks he's this great prospect pitcher. Hunter Green, the dude had an amazing pedigree, amazing pedigree. The start to his career was not great. We talked about either home runs, it was walks, it was both, it was a little a little bit of everything. Well, he kind of you know went down and worked on a few things for a bit and came back. And has uh, since his comeback on September 17th, so he's made three starts since football started. He has a 33.3% K to walk compared to 21.4 on the season. And just a few more stats before I hand it off to you 106 ERA, 216 XFIP. He's only given up one home run in his 17 innings. And to me, some might still think it's a big number, but for Hunter Green, six walks. Six walks is very good for him. And he went one start with zero walks. So it's three starts or three walks, three walks is each of his last two. That's huge because the dude is filthy. So what do you got on Hunter Green? That was the big thing um, that I was going to bring up was the control, Bubba. So like, yeah, um, I mean, the big thing with Hunter Green, the you know hundred mile an hour fastball, the knockout slatter, which which are both true, which we both seen this year. If you paid more attention in the first half than the second half of the season, you noticed an 11% walk rate for Hunter Green in the first half, and it that has gone down to 9% um, in the second half. But the big thing, one of the things that I really like to look at, and I, Toby's mentioned this, but we use this in the forecaster, is, is ball percentage. It's a really good indicator. It's very simple. It's just 
you know, what, what, I mean, you can inverse it and do strike percentage. What percentage of the pitches you throw are balls or strikes and a league average for that is 36%. Usually I'm not sure what it is this year, but every year it's right around 36%. Hunter green was at 39% in the first half. So like the control wasn't there and he wasn't throwing strikes. Hunter green has a 34% uh, ball rate in the second half. So those second half walk, uh, improvements are kind of backed by the sub indicators and the, you know, kind of the cherry on top is it has not come at the expense of Hunter Green's dominance. So like the swinging strike rate is even better than it was um, in the first half. The K rate is fantastic. And yeah, like the three starts again, we're in tiny sample territory here, but this is the kind of growth that you just love to see from someone who has this type of pedigree put it together with uh, with that improved control throughout the season reminds me a lot of um, and this this may not be a you know the best combat just popped so I need to look at the numbers but it reminds me a lot of like Dylan Cease who yeah. at this time last year who had all the stuff in the world uh, just couldn't really harness it but showed uh, that improved ball percentage in the second half of last season in Dylan Cease. We all know what he did this year. I'm not saying Hunter Green's going to be that next yeah. year, but um, just kind of a very similar kind of growth profile as a prospect. A guy he could be, and I think he's got better strikeout stuff than the comp I'll make, is uh, Logan Gilbert, the way he finished last year. Because he started yeah. out pretty yep. – he, he's, he was pretty sketchy early on. He finished really strong. We've seen how that's carried over this year. He's been a, just a – reliable source again so i think green could be that kind of guy with a c ceiling maybe and that that could be something to kind of put him in that window i think he's, and he's the thing is he'll get drafted way ahead of logan gilbert so something to keep in mind also when you're doing your drafting also but uh i do think hunter green it's good to see it's also good to see him just finishing the season on the mound in cincinnati so yeah that because he could have just spent the rest of the year in triple a for all we knew and that would have just kind of been like a bummer so a couple of good takeaways on that one carlos Rodon. This guy is my thorn in my side because I was nervous, didn't draft him. I know a lot of us were nervous. Dude's been off. He started out great. Then he had a couple of hiccups in the middle of the season where I thought the arm was about to fall off. And I'm like, okay, I feel better. And then I just pulled up his stats since he had back to back fiver and run outings. He made a start on July 31st. He's made 10 starts, not including tonight's six shutout 10K performance. But oh, ten, did he? Yeah, you did that tonight? Yeah, tonight, six shutout with 10Ks. Nice. Um, but before that, the 10 starts before that, he had a 2.57 ERA, 2.66 xFIP. He allowed uh, two run runs or less in eight of those ten starts, which is outstanding. And he had a 30.3% K to walk in that in that time. In our smaller sample here, in just basically September, almost a 37% K to walk. Um, outside of a couple of rough starts in the middle of the season, Carlos Rodon has been the ace you prayed he'd be, and you got it at discount in draft season. I'm I still don't know what to do with him next year because I don't know where he's pitching. I don't think the Giants bring him back. We'll see, but. Um, the dude's been good. The dude's been good, and this is a this is a big fat L for me and 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 you too, Bubba. I mean, yep. we, we we were both yep. off of Carlos right now. I was just I was just I thought, and maybe lesson learned: don't trust what the White Sox are thinking. I thought the White Sox knew something we didn't when they so didn't. It makes extend sense. Why would you not give him that qualifying offer? Why would right. you do it? Like, and and the way Rodon finished last year, and and with with injuries and the long injury history, like I thought. Best case scenario, Carlos Rodon would come out in the first half, look dominant, and then break down throughout the season. Like the fact that Carlos Rodon is doing this, and the big drawback for me, at least, with durability and volume, is um, 
is fascinating. There's another guy on this list that's in the same exact boat where I'm just kind of blown away by this late improvement. But um, I mean, I'm trying to pick holes in Carlos Rodon's game and and for next year. And to be honest, it's really hard. 24 starts in 2021, 30 starts this season, like not, not a sterling health record, but it's someone who I need to think and kind of get out of my preconception that this is an injury prone starter because uh, he, he looks fantastic and he's surging at the end of the season. So yeah, filthy, absolutely filthy. So yeah, big L, big L on that one. Can, can uh, you Zach, guess the other uh, – and, and anyone who wants to look at this board, uh, like Bubba said, I put it on, on Thursday. Who's the other surger who, who – uh, It'll be the guy I mentioned. has durability problems. It'll be the guy I mentioned – well, the durability. Or perceived durability issue. Well, I was going to think it's the guy, the last guy in green here. Yeah. Yeah, That's I'm going to mention him after this. I'm going to mention him after this next one. He was on my, my radar here because I do want to talk about him as well. But uh, I want to get to Zach Gallon because yeah. – Many smart people were mentioning because there were a lot of concerns about his arm and valid concerns at the time. But a lot of people are mentioning how I believe you were one of them or you were the ringleader on this that, uh, like the most innings pitched in the second half of the season, Zach Gallon, all these things that kind of stood out like he's probably more healthy than we think type stuff. And he has been steady Eddie all season long, really. And just to top it off, since football started, almost a 31% K to walk. Uh, it's basically been quality start after quality start after quality start from Zach Gallon. It's 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 ridiculous what he's put together on a not a great Arizona team. The fact he's got 12 wins is probably pretty impressive. So what's your thoughts on Zach Gallon? Because I have another question to follow up with that after you uh, give a little spiel on him. Yeah, I feel like he, uh, just because of that like scoreless streak, that it, he's not as under the radar, I don't think Gallon yeah, is, as some of these others, just because like that that was a pretty wild scoreless streak. I forget what the number was that he ended up, but it was, I think like around 40, it was 40 um, definitely like in the mid forties, I think pretty, pretty incredible and started to get kind of a lot of hype uh, by the end of that streak. So um, people have seen what, what's been going on with Zach Gallon. Uh, we just mentioned the, the bump in and strikeout minus walk rate since football started, since people stopped paying attention to baseball. One thing that I look at uh, with Gallon too, interestingly enough, is is a pretty considerable pitch mix change. A lot more curveballs from Zach Gallon in the second half and a lot fewer change-ups. Um, so that's just something where, like, um, you know, maybe it's just a temporary change just to switch things up. But anytime you see a surge in skills with um, kind of a change in approach, they're both great pitches. The curveball gets 17% swing strike, the changeup 16%, and the changeup on top of that gets a great ground ball rate. So, like, he's probably just mixing and matching two elite secondary pitches. But um, it's just interesting to see Gallon throw that curveball a little bit more in the second half. He threw it around 15% of the time in the first half and bumped that up to about 23, 24% in the second half. Um, so that's a really good sign. The durability is a great sign. I almost wonder, like, I wish kind of gallon would go even fewer on the four seam. He throws it like 50% of the time, but more changeups and curveballs kind of get that one, two punch of elite secondary pitches that he has. I'm a, I'm a big gallon fan. Um, and this year kind of validated that. Yeah, I agree. You you were on him, and it was a good one on you for for this one. I was I was a little nervous still uh, to to take him in draft season. But the question I have for you, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer. I think most people will answer it this way. But it was a poll on Twitter, and then I was on leading off of Fantasy Pros today, and it was a question on the show um, for 2022, and it actually fits you because he took him in the fifth round of our early draft. Uh. 
would you rather take Spencer Strider or Zach Gallen, knowing you know Strider's got the ceiling, but Gallen's got the durability and the consistency? I'm gonna go Strider. Yeah, and, most and people not, are not really to make sure. about it. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was kind of surprised that it was a poll that was wasn't close, but closer than I thought. Let's put it that way. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, Strider is just just to give a, a plug to our friend, a mutual friend, Carlos Marcano, um, who has the specs system for yep. for phenomenal uh, thing. People need to yeah. use that more. So good. Spencer Strider is the top starting pitcher in baseball. Yeah. Uh, 2022 according to specs so uh just tuck that away with a two-pitch mix like it's it's you know, just crazy but real but real yeah. real talk real talk with spencer strider and he, he won't get it but like let me let me pull his thing up his fan grass page up just real quick because what he has done this year i don't he's not gonna get the Cy Young. don't get me wrong he should get the rookie of the year but in 131 and two-thirds innings pitch <laughs> he has 202 strikeouts 200 like I, I most people don't remember the days where 200 was a common thing. Like like 300 was the number you were trying to be get to. 200 is like the new 300 almost. Um, what he did literally at 132 and two thirds, two thirds, 131 two thirds innings is ridiculous, absolutely insane. So it needs to get more love from the voting audience. He won't, but he needs to be free, almost free and fab as well. Yes. So yes. Uh, one thing I do want to look at is teams that were successful, especially on the pitching side. Who got Spencer Strider for how much and when and well, uh, and what did they see? Because that's I'll that's save I'll save you time because I wasn't successful, but I have a lot of Spencer Striders. So I picked him up when when they said they were going to start using him as a long man out of the bullpen. I started stashing him because I was like, he's going to get a start somewhere along the line. So yeah, and he's just unique because like he kind of just goes all out for like five innings and yep. and that's it. So like, I think the, and I think, you know, Sarah has said this, he was kind of a, a five inning closer almost. Yeah. And that can work with a two pitch mix and yep. two, I, trips I, the, I, two trips to the lineup can work. Exactly. Especially when he's allowing so few hits that lineup does not get through to the third time uh, frequently. So um, I think this approach can work. I mean, just the one, the, the, the one thing that I'll caution with Strider is, I mean, you did, Bubba mentioned the innings. I mean, 132 innings and he is on the IL right now with an oblique. Uh, maybe it's nothing, but it's, it's just one thing like, I don't know. Now in this, in our draft, when I got him in the fifth round, which I'm still stoked, I, I, yeah. I think Spencer Strider is a second or third round pitcher. Agreed. Um, next season, uh, but I did mention that when I made the pick, was like it's it's too late. I, I I can't pass him up at this price, but I am a little worried about him going like 160 next year. But yeah, I don't know. No, it'll be maybe I'm well, nitpicking. Well, well, we'll see how many postseason innings he goes to. He yep. can start accumulating yeah, that after the after the Elston. Yeah, see how that goes. All right, the the uh, gentleman that Ryan was mentioning a second ago, and I am very pumped to talk on this one because it's been awesome to watch Tristan McKenzie figure things out at the big league level. Because there was a, a time during the season where it looked like the you know, prospect pedigree was not going to pan out for Tristan McKenzie. It was a little rocky last year. This year was very rocky early on. And then something clicked. Pitch mix change, consistency. The walks got back to like two two or less a start. Home runs were kind of limited. Since August 7th start, it was three earned runs or less in every single start. Nearly five or more Ks in every start. In September, a 27% K to walk compared to 20% on the season. He's been awesome. And you, you mentioned the injury thing because he's a beanpole. Like, yeah. He looks like he's going to be hurt. And it, can he make it through a season? Well, 
He's getting better as the season goes on. And you can make an argument that he is the number one potentially right behind, or maybe one B behind Shane Bieber. I'll, I'll give Shane Bieber his love. I'm not crazy in that Cleveland rotation going into the postseason. So what do you got on Tristan McKenzie? Yeah, it's just kind of a lesson learned to not, uh, don't judge a book by its cover, maybe, you know, in life, but in fantasy as well. Like I just, and and I'm not the only one who did this, but it's just like Tristan McKenzie, look at him. He can't, he can't last, not only last this long, but last this long and not fall apart in the second half. And well, yeah, 99 second half innings, 236 ERA, 0.93 whip. Like it's just, it's unbelievable what he's done, especially recently and um, had that, so his last three starts are 27 strikeouts, one walk. Like it's uh, against Minnesota, the White Sox and Tampa too. That's one thing we haven't really talked about. Like a lot of this is prone, such small samples are prone to the schedule and who the opponents are, but um, McKenzie's put it up against that. And then you mentioned Shane Bieber, Bubba, like the organization, like I believe Cleveland is one of those orgs that is one step ahead of, um, the rest of the league, they're one, they're a handful of them. Um, you know, you know, put this out, I think today in, in an Babbitt article on the sheet. athletic, yep. The Babbitt by team. And I think, uh, like LA was, was far and away, um, had the lowest Babbitt by team, but Cleveland was, I believe fifth. And that list was, I, I, I want to say it was, it was LA, it was Houston, it was Tampa. And I, I'm going to blank on the fifth team, was it uh, like fourth team. Fourth team was uh, Cleveland. I'm not sure who the who yeah. the fifth team was, but it was the the was best teams in baseball pitching pretty much. Yeah, it, it was like sense. it, it all was translated. like yeah, it was like oh yeah, each of those five teams like that makes total sense. So yeah, but yeah, Cleveland. We say it time and time again. You know, we question a lot of the decisions they make. By the way, they run their team like trading Lindor, wanting to trade J Ram, all those things. But when it comes to pitching, they know what they're doing. Even Cal Quantrill, who I got clowned on in the offseason, yep. yep. he continues to be that guy that if you took him in like the 20th round, you're very happy right now. So um, they just know what they're doing with their guys and make it work. So something to keep an eye on going forward. And it's good to see Tristan get these innings in and look like that durability is there. I'm going to move on to the not-so-good pitching performers since football. And Reed Detmers stands out in a big way because so many of us were excited when he came back from minor leagues. He had the slider improvement and all this stuff, and he was great, and he was. He was really good for a handful of starts. And then it just went downhill from late August on. And in September, he has a 7.2% K to walk. He only has a 13% K to walk in the entire season. But in his last six starts, a 5.28 ERA, 4.83 XFIP. It's been brutal, Ryan. And... um so much for what could have been it looked like with a nice looked like things were going to improve we saw hunter green improve we've seen these guys improve detmers couldn't finish that job and uh, and yes and the big thing similar to like brandon woodruff and one of the big takeaways from this is that perception of you know when like football started everyone was in love with reed detmers transformation i mean myself included and, and like you said bob it was it was great. It was legit. He came back from AAA with that slider reshaped, throwing it more often and um, and looked great. So everyone kind of has that perception of Reed Detmers as this guy who's turned it around. And if you're not paying attention to kind of what he's done in September, um, it has gone all the way back. Uh, his monthly ERA, this is kind of wild, 519 in April, 424, 467, and then July, August, 113. In July, 291 in August, and then boom, back up to 605. Yeah. So, like, man, uh, I hope we all timed Reed Detmers correctly this season because it could be really good. 
or uh, or really bad. And I don't I, I haven't dug in enough. And I mean, we'll do this in the offseason to see kind of what's behind this. But my guess is this is a leak. This is a game of adjustments. And, yep. you know, three, four starts in. Everyone noticed the new shape of his slider, throwing it more yep. and, and adjusted that way is, is my guess. But uh, would make sense. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. He's gonna he's gonna have to adjust again now. So we'll see how that one yep. and he could. Trans- transpires. He definitely could. He's got the tools. It's just a matter of can he do it. And the Angels just haven't shown you enough to make me confident in that sort of problem. So we'll see how that plays out. Shane O'Mac, Shane McClanahan. Yeah. This one stands out big time. Like I just mentioned earlier, how I told people to play Woodruff in DFS. I have told people to fade Shane McClanahan in DFS because something does not look right. Not just the fact. He's coming back from injury. He's been kind of monitored his innings. It's just been bad. In his last two starts, he's allowed nine runs in nine innings pitched with five total. He has 10 Ks in the month of September. He has a 6.8 K to walk after having a 25% on the season. And, you know, if you probably take out, let's just have some fun here for a second here. Let's just take out those September starts because I'm looking. I want to see what his K to walk was before that. Oh, he was, was a, yeah, he was 27.1. He had a 30-something going there for a while. He was uh, one of the best in baseball. So um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of injury concerns with him, and um, it, it's not looking pretty right now, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about McClanahan, I believe, on last week's show, and I just mentioned like that little twinge of doubt where the shoulder problem and the recent performance, and it hasn't really gotten better for him, uh, for McClanahan. Yeah, his one start since our last show was four earned against the Blue Jays, which – um, I don't know. That's, you know, not, not, not the easiest opponent, but like, yeah, I just, I don't know if I'm, if I'm picking between Brandon Woodruff and Shane McClanahan right now, who probably will have similar ADPs, uh, McClanahan got taken in the early second round of our 2023 draft. Woodruff was the late second round. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confidently taking Brandon Woodruff over McClanahan right now just because, you know, the late struggles, but not just the late struggles with McClanahan, it's the late struggles plus the shoulder stuff. Like that, it just kind of scares me if I'm taking a second-round pick on uh, on that. 100% with you on that one. I wanted to bring up a fun one here, Shohei Otani, who lost his yeah. whole hit bid in the eighth inning. <laughs> yeah, he had as we're recording with one walk in 10Ks tonight, so this number <laughs> will change. But uh, on a season of 26.1% K to walk, 18.8% K to walk since football started, but I wanted to bring this up because we talked about this with certain bloom boards. You have to look at the full context. That's mm-hmm. the point of the board is to look and go. His last start before tonight, he had six walks. That's an, a, an abnormality for Shohei Otani. He's usually three walks, two walks, whatever. So that one game really spiked things here. That if he's back, if he just walks two or three like normal, he's probably close to his 26 again. And after tonight, he might be back to like 24. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. I just want to bring him up if you have anything else on Shohei, but I just want to bring it up that that's the fun of these boards. You just look a little more and just look at the context a little deeper and show he's probably just fine. It's a perfect call out. Cause like you just look at this board and if you take it at face value, you see Shohei Itani in red and it's like, Oh crap, what happened? What's wrong with him? He's, he's been injury. You know, he's had injuries in the past. He's fallen apart. He looked just fine tonight. in yep. those, uh, those eight innings against the A's, seven of which were no hit. Um, and like you said, Bubba, you dig deeper into that game log, which I really like to do. And people just have bad days. Uh, the, the kind of the third thing that I would caution to with Otani, this list is kind of ordered by just, um, how much they rose or fall. 
And Otani started at such a high level, 26% yeah. strikeout minus walk rate. It technically went down a lot, but it went down to 19%, which is still really good. And like you said, Bubba, after tonight's outing against Oakland, it's going to go right back into the low to mid 20s. So um, I'm not not worried about Mr. Otani at all. Yep, 100% with you there. Um, I you, you have anybody else you want to talk about? I think it's hilarious. Adrian Hauser is a minus 5.5. Just, that's walk. the guy, man. Yeah. Uh, he's literally, he's, he's walked uh, 10 and struck out four in his four starts. The dude had a 5% strikeout that's minus impressive. walk rate on the season and still shows up. That was his starting point. That that's, was terrible. That's impressive. And still shows up as one of the worst faders. I actually have Adrian Hauser in my main event league or had him. And uh, this is, this was bad. I looked at, Milwaukee's box score of his last start and I saw Milwaukee won and I think shut out whoever they were playing so I was like all right I just got a you know a a cheap win out of Adrian Hauser Adrian Hauser went four and two thirds (laughs) with zero strikeouts oh man that's rough I was like you have got to be kidding me that's rough so uh yeah, Adrian Hauser. I think he just went on the IL. Um, safe travels, but yeah, to go from to go from a five percent down to negative five—that's impressive—is uh, is bad. Yeah, so. pretty pretty bad there. Yeah, because you look at he hasn't given up a lot of runs. He's just <laughs> walking everybody. He just doesn't, and he doesn't strike out. Like I couldn't, be, I could not believe uh, a that he didn't get the win, and b that he didn't get a single freaking strikeout. Strikeout. That's so, impressive. Um, impressive. All right, let's talk bats. Let's talk about some bats here. We're going to start off with a guy that if the Guilds comes back and wins the overall OC, he should be buying a Stephen Kwan jersey at least because yeah. he's helped him in a huge way. since. And it's, it's so fitting for the landscape of fantasy baseball because Kwan was one of the first big free yep. agent acquisitions. Everyone was all in on him. Unless you were at a late drafter, you can get him. But everyone was spinning fab out the gate for him. You know, oh, he's just a batting average guy. He's a dead batting average guy. He doesn't help you anywhere else. And this last like month, he's showcasing what maybe could be, and it's gonna because we we knew there was a little bit of speed and a, a decent amount of speed and a little bit of power since football hitting three seventy eight with three home runs and seven stolen bases, and he almost did all that in one week. Uh, he's been very very good, and those that have stuck with Stephen Kwan or went back to the Stephen Kwan well are getting paid off in big ways to finish the season. Yeah, I think it's mostly folks who went back to him because it was yes. a pretty brutal stretch. In oh, the, I dropped him pretty much everywhere. Yeah, it was like there have been multiple victory laps taken by Stephen Kwan truthers and Stephen Kwan faders uh, yeah. for those reasons, Bubba. Like it's been such an up and down. Like he could have said June, July. Yeah, Stephen Kwan was just an April kind of thing, and then that was it. And all of a sudden, yeah, if you're not paying attention, you have again that perception is kind of what I'm getting at here. You have that perception of Stephen Kwan as an empty batting average guy who's not going to give you any homers or steals. Um, I mean, maybe that's right, but he leads baseball in homers plus stolen bases, which is what this what this board is, homers plus stolen bases. Or as he's actually tied with Pete Alonzo and Elvis Andrews, Andrews, of all people. Um, but it's which just is, interesting. Quick, which is the most surprising month, Stephen Kwan or Elvis Andrews? Man, uh... <laughs> It's because they both have three homers and seven. Yes. I, I'll go. I'll go Elvis because he got DFA'd. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I, Elvis has at least done it before. True. Side um, note. I'll get, I'll get you back to quantum in a minute. 
Speaking of Elvis Andrews, because I don't want to dig too much into him in a little bit, I don't know if you listened to one of the recent rates and barrels with Eno and uh, DVR, but there's a um, an at bats clause in Andrews's contract. Yes, I did listen to that. that. It's like yeah. five fifty or something, and basically yeah. he'll hit it if he keeps leading off every game, which he should, because Tim Anderson just got shut down. If he gets that, the A's are going to owe him like the fifteen A's or sixteen million <laughs> next year. He'll be the highest played player on the A's, not on the A's technically. That is absolutely legendary stuff. Sorry, I had to mention it for for yeah, some unforgodsaken was... reason. If people listen to our show and not theirs, I don't know why. But like that, I, I was laughing when I heard that. I'm like, that's so Oakland A's. It's not even funny. Yeah. Okay, they for sure thought they were safe when they dumped yeah. Elvis in because, like, he would have had to have gone to someone. The only way to get them any at bats is to hit leadoff. And, yep. and Ola Rusa, Ola so Rusa came so through, good. So. But sorry, um, yeah, but no, I mean, Ellis Andrews, I mean, and Homer's stolen bases like that's someone who, again, have written off. These are also guys like playoff fantasy mm-hmm. playoffs, like, these are season saviors, and we'll get to some of the guys who. Um, haven't been who have been the opposite who have probably gotten you to the playoffs and then faded, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just an interesting, I don't know, interestingly, like there's not too much, especially on the hitting side. And I've talked about this, like I'm a lot more um, kind of skeptical of small samples on the hitting side. Like these could just be heaters or, or what or slumps or whatever. Uh, but it's just interesting to kind of um, see how these perceptions can change from players who, uh, who have quietly been really good lately. It's impressive. Like you mentioned Pete Alonzo, eight homers, two stolen bases. So he's just doing Pete Alonzo things. Yep. But really stood out to me is Kyle Schwarber has, hasn't hit for an average all season long. OBP skills are great. He's at 40 plus home runs. And, and since this happened, he's hit six homers, but the dude's got three stolen bases. Like, where did that come from, Kyle Schwarber? That's it, does, it doesn't help that the Phillies are losing every baseball game, but Schwarber's stealing bags now, which maybe it's a Phillies philosophy to look forward to because we know JTR steals. Now you got Schwarber stealing bags. Like, it's, it's, it's something to watch, I guess. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, I think I talked about it. I get the alerts on my phone whenever whenever somebody hits a homer or steals a base and always have to do that double take when I see Kyle Schwarber stolen base. And it has happened more frequently recently so um that was interesting one guy who i'm really interested in and i just i uh i did not draft him i did not realize the season he's having is dalton Varsho. oh no no that's my guy yeah 27 homers 14 oh. steals like that is um i i i forget who said who posted a screenshot of their two cat but someone has i'm sure more than someone has varsho and jtr um at catcher spot the two catcher spots and just the homers and stolen bases from those two combined almost almost 40 steals from your catcher is nuts um and like 50 something homers that's uh, that's impressive but um yeah varsho's on a lot of my teams i was I was pounding that drum and getting a lot of, of throwback there. His average isn't great, but power speed. And he's caught like 30-something games. He's seriously be a catcher again next year. It's it's glorious. Absolutely Nine glorious. homers and six steals in September. That is... He's finishing strong, finishing very strong. So yeah. I'll be all aboard that one. Someone put a post out there, a poll. Uh, for, I think it's Eric Cross put it out there. For 2022, how would you rank these four? Adley Rushman, JTR, um, Varsho, and... Um, uh, from the Dodgers. Why am I Will Smith? Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. that's a fun one. I, vo- I voted JTR. Yeah, so do I. It's still JTR for me until Adley Rushman ran he... away with the poll, but I, yeah, I maybe JTR. folks thought it was a dynasty question. Or yeah, something. maybe. But know. as long as JTR is healthy, he's still my number one catcher. There's just there's no no changing that. 
I have instant regret regrets. I should pull it up. Uh, but our our 2023 DC draft, we had a run of catchers um, in the seventh round, and they, I think there were maybe eight catchers taken in the first seven rounds, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't I have took, a catcher, uh, and I'm bummed. Yes. Yeah, you met you. They, I think I there's still the a couple that are that are out there. But I I took Wilson Contreras before uh, Dalton Varsho, and I'm I'm regretting that one. Yeah, we'll see how Already. it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. I might, I might just have to point catcher at this point. We'll see. That'll be a fun redo here in a little bit. Uh, I wanted to bring up Willie Adamas. This is a guy that it was always fun. Like, do you take Willie? Do you take Swanson? They're all kind of going around the same time. And a lot of people were getting hotter on Swanson as things went on. And, you know, Adamas is only hitting 239, which in this era is actually not that bad. But the dude has 31 home runs and eight stolen bases. Like, I don't think anybody would notice that. And just since football started, five home runs and three steals while he's hitting 297. So like you mentioned, these are guys that are helping you win titles. So that 239 season average doesn't matter right now. He's hitting 297. This is a guy that's going to be fun to see where he gets drafted next year because now this is like the second year now with Milwaukee where he's kind of shown like, yeah, I can hit bombs. This is what I do. So And he, and he wasn't healthy for part of the season. So this is a really interesting case for Willie Adonis. Yeah, and someone who, who completely slipped under my radar. When I actually made the tweet, I got a reply from – um, God, I want to give proper attribution, but I got a reply. Willie Adamas was like, and it was someone that really nobody's been talking about and has had a fantastic season. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm one of those. Cause I didn't really realize how good Willie Adamas has been. And even like, I mean, yeah, the eight steals like that, that matters. That matters right now. And the, this is a career low, uh, Babbitt for Willie Adamas, like by, by a pretty good margin. Now he's hitting more fly balls like this. I think this looks like an approach change. He's hitting more fly balls to get to those, uh, those 30 plus homers. And so that's going to affect your batting average a little bit, but, um, Adamas has always had a Babbitt kind of around like 330, and that's down near 280 this season. So for next year, Willie Adamas, uh, I could see that 240 batting average going up pretty pretty nicely and 96 rbi that's something yep. that that huge. 83 runs like those counting stats are are massive too like this is someone who i until i even did this tweet uh this board that i had no idea who was this good and and he's still on the board in our draft <laughs> yes he I'm is gonna throw that out there he's still on the board Eighth round in our 2023 draft is going to be loaded because you know there's Adelis Garcia is there. Adelis Garcia yeah. has been a first rounder this year and no one took him. But uh, yeah. it's going to be fun. Going to be fun. Um, the next guy he went eighth in our draft to Rob DiPietro. I just want to bring him Kyle Tucker hitting 271, five homers, three stolen bases since football started. But I feel like it's the to me and like I follow it. Like I'm a big Tucker fan. I know there's a lot of guys that are. There's a lot of guys that are kind of skeptical. It feels like depending on where you listen. Dude's hitting 262. You're hoping for more. I, I get that, but 29 jacks, 25 stolen bases, 104 RBIs, 70 runs scored. Like he's an eight, he's definitely worthy of his pick. It just feels like it's like a just a quiet ho hum. I'm gonna potentially get you 30-30, and that's just what he does every season. And like to me, he's kind of like the Brandon Woodruff of hitters for me. Is you know, he might not be as flashy as your Acuna's of the world and stuff, but you can pretty much pencil in 25-25 plus every year and just enjoy it. Yep. Yeah, and it is weird for because it's not like Tucker came out of nowhere yeah. as a prospect. I mean, he was um he he's was the one very... they wouldn't trade. He's the one they wouldn't yep. trade. Yep. And to and to go out and really not skip a beat on a team 
that gets a lot of pub. It's not like he's, you know, playing on the West Coast. It's not like he's playing in Anaheim where no one's watching or whatever. Like he's on Houston. Like, I mean, people care about the Astros. Uh, people hate the Astros, but people care <laughs> about the Astros. It's just really weird to see Kyle Tucker kind of fly under the radar. Like I could make, I could make a legitimate case for Kyle Tucker as a top, top. five pick next yep. year. That's why I wanted to bring him up. I think, I think it's gonna be a fun argument to make, and you can't argue with that if someone does it. Like I still think Trey Turner's one one, but you know, J Rod's awesome, Acuna's awesome. I'd have him over Judge. It's just my personal bias. So I I think there's a it's it's a, it's a fun argument to have that's for sure going going forward in that one so yep. we'll have to see because he was like a, a one two turnish guy later like or this last season now he's moving up like he should but yeah. it's also a deep yeah well, well we'll have more time to talk about that stuff all right let's talk about some of the uh, the red boxes the not so good players that are probably drowning your your playoff hopes and dreams right now but they got you there and I just mentioned Trey Turner Trey Turner is amazing. Still to me, the one one. The dude's awesome. Power, speed, average, flexibility, you name it, he does it. Except in September, apparently, because he's a big fantasy football fan. He's hitting 260 with one home run and two stolen bases. Like not getting the job done for what you needed here, Ryan. Yeah. And this is more, I mean, this is more just kind of FY. Like I'm I'm taking pretty much yep. nothing away from this. Uh, yep. especially for the hitting faders. Like, but it's just it's just interesting to look at like you again you think of trey turner as the number one pick next year and he probably is that's probably who i would go with but uh yeah 260 he actually did steal a base tonight so he's got one homer and three steals over the last so just like slumping at the wrong time and again like trey turner brought you this far but just someone who quietly um hasn't really done much lately it's just another reason don't play head-to-head folks that's just a, <laughs> a i have right a there. i have a separate ride i i actually love head-to-head uh it kills i me. cannot for this reason for this I reason i cannot kills stand me. no but I, I cannot stand why playoffs are attached to the head-to-head format. okay fair. Like just that's do fair. head-to-head for the season and whoever yes. has the best record by the end of the year wins the league um, i can i can like, live with I, that I, yes. I just i don't understand why we have to attach a, a, a playoff format to the head well, i think it was you and i talked about it unless they did it where it's like based on your seating you get like a head start in, yeah. like, like a FedEx that, playoff I, type thing. I yeah i agree i just that's hate how I, like you could get hot in september yeah, and win it and that's why i hate it too that's yeah. why i hate head-to-head the playoff factor of it kills me yeah. um jonathan india is gonna be a fun one we don't need to dig into him right now but he was so hurt this season, so he could be a fun one come draft season next year to maybe take a chance on. He's hitting 208 with one homer, one stolen base in September. I want to bring up Austin Riley, though. Yeah. Riley's having a great season, phenomenal season. But since football started, 197 batting average with two homers and zero stolen bases. You don't expect the steals, but the average and the power taking that kind of precipitous drop-off is quite surprising from a guy that seemed just insanely locked in the entire season. I mean, Austin Riley was a fringe MVP candidate for yep. for much of the season. Still, like his end of season line, 275, 37 homers, like fantastic year. But uh, I, yeah, I did not realize how much Austin Riley was struggling in September. And it's been, uh, I mean, really in August too, 240, hit 241 in August and then 204 in September after hitting 423 in July with 11 homers. So just like- in July. Just real tricky. And, and again, like July is maybe the time you start checking out and start doing football stuff. Uh, so just kind of keep that keep that in mind. But again, not really, I don't know. Just 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 interesting. 
Yep, most interesting. The guy I'm surprised that's not on this list. You talk about uh, uh, MVP candidates. Goldschmidt's dropped off a bit too, yeah, which was quite surprising. Um, Nate Lowe is hitting 300, which is great. He's been a good average source and OBP source all year, but he was provi- providing some power and speed, which he's not doing this month. One home run, zero stolen bases. I guess you're not too concerned because you're getting that 300 batting average, but the overall production is taking a bit of a hit this month. Bit of a hit. I God, I I don't know how late ho late ho Nate Lowe, is, Nathaniel Lowe, I guess is Daniel is Thor, what he's yeah. what he prefers. But I don't know how the hell he's hitting three hundred. Um, cut down on the K rate. More line drives. Some Babbitt luck. Like it's just kind of a perfect storm. Um, ah, yeah, it, it, interesting to me. Anyone else that really stand out to you, like Jose Miranda, still hitting for average, but no power and speed. Wander Franco hitting for average, no power speed. Uh, anybody else standing out to you on this list? Yeah, not yeah. Franco's the one guy who like I would bring up just because this is almost kind of like a microcosm of why I was off of Wander Franco. Yep. During draft season, great real life player. He's gonna get great ratios. I don't know what his OBP is since football started. Hitting over three hundred since football started, but. I'm just worried like heck about the power and speed in, in, in Roto. And, you know, it's, it's been kind of a lost season for Wander Franco injury wise. Um, so I'm not putting too much stock in it, but like, yeah, this is, this is why I uh, faded Franco yep. at the price. I just, and, and probably will next year um, until I can actually see, like, it's going to be one of those prove it guys. He needs to prove that he can either hit for homers or get a green light in Tampa and run. Maybe he needs uh Maybe he maybe he needs a Rosa Reina to 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 convince Tampa staff to let him run a little bit. Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent why I was off of uh, Franco as well. I needed to see it power speed for where he's getting drafted now. In our draft, he went around six, a lot better than what it was last year. So it's a little more intriguing, but still, there's no power and speed, and there's still guys getting drafted with power and speed. So it makes it tough to still pull that uh, that trigger there. All right, we got I believe two listener questions here. So let's. Uh, Bring them out and see what we got here. One's a fun one from Mr. Rob D. Pietro, our buddy Deadpool hitter um, of the list. And we're talking to the pitchers uh, bloom board that you put out there. Who on the list would make the best football player? There's, there's a lot of great answers. I didn't save all of those. But for you, who would make the best football player on this list? So, I mean, of the guys we talked about, like if I'm drafting anyone, it's it's got to be Otani, right? I mean, the he plays offense and defense, right? He plays offense and defense, probably kicks. I I would not be surprised if Otani's like a lockdown safety. That's like what I was thinking four like, yeah. with speed. Um God, has the size, has the talent. Like I, I think he would be he would be an amazing uh safety. So Otani's my pick, but that's a little bit too I don't know. I, I if I had to go with another guy, I'd go like Hunter Green. Just, yeah, just good one. power. I, I I would like that. The one, the guy who would not want on the football field is is Tristan, Tristan McKenzie. McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, Tristan McKenzie. That's a that's that's scary. I think Lance Lynn would be fun. That dude just would be yeah, in the trenches. Could, He'd be in the trenches. Yeah, you could do Lynn. You could run a run. Oh, oh, I mean, you know, Wisconsin football. You got yeah. you could have you could have Lynn pull. He'd be one of the big from, uglies. Pull from a right guard and get over there. And yeah, I could I could have with Hunter Green behind that. him. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, all right, Joe McHugh, he says, Josiah Gray, what wins in 2023, the home runs or the strikeouts? That's been the problem with him. It's like he's got strikeout stuff. He's also gives up a ton of home runs, and that just kind of prevents him from putting the total package together. So 
there's two, and and this might be a little basic. I don't know or not. I don't know. There's two basic components to home runs, pitcher home runs. It's the fly ball rate and it's the homer to fly ball rate. HQ's research over the years has shown that one of those two is a kind of quote unquote skill that's sticky from year to year for pitchers. And that's their fly ball rate. So a pitcher has a lot of control uh, year to year over how many ground balls they give up and how many fly balls they give up. A lot of that is based on pitch mix and that sort of thing. Josiah Gray has a career 50% fly ball rate, which is massive. Not going to cut it. So like that part of me says the homers are going to keep coming. The other component to the, to the home run uh, equation is that homer to fly ball rate. And Josiah Gray has a 19% homer to fly for his career and actually 19% homer to fly in both seasons of his career. So you may look at that and say, Oh, I'm going to project next season for Josiah Gray to have another 19% homer to fly ball rate. Our research at HQ says not, not so fast. My friend homer to fly ball rate is a lot more likely to regress back to league average, which I think this year is more like 11, 12%. So I don't think Josiah Gray is going to give up nearly as many home runs next season. Uh, because of that, I think that 19% homer to fly is going to drop back down to like a 12 or 13% next season. But he's going to give up more homers than your average pitcher just because that fly ball rate is stickier year to year. And uh, I think that's part of his package. Yeah, I'm with you. And that's what sucks about it. Maybe he's a guy that needs to be a back end of the bullpen or like a long, long reliever guy. Just can't go through the rotation too many times. Let change the pitch mix up a bit. I don't know. Like he's got to figure something out uh, to be electric the way we think he could be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely someone to uh, to dig in on a little more. Real quick before we uh, leave, Jared Kalinick hit his second home run of the game tonight. So he has seven on the year, and Nathaniel Lowe just went deep. So we got <laughs> that going for us. So he's off the bloom board. He's off the bloom board. He's, he's graduated. He went from red to green. Yeah, so um, just, just wanted to point those out. He just it's, it's, it's nice. eight to seven in Seattle right now. That is so. super interesting about Kelnick, though. Again, four games yeah. Detroit, dude's hot. Wouldn't roll be surprised. If I, I would roll the dice. I, yeah. I looked at him this past week because literally, like, he came up and started hitting right away. It was like, huh, maybe something's clicking. I don't know. Like, we'll see. You never know. Run, right, run the hot streak while you can. It's all that matters right now. Exactly. Get hot and make it work. But Ryan, we'll wrap it up there with our final episode of the regular season. We got more to come, obviously. We got Arizona to come, lots of fun stuff to come up. Any final thoughts for listeners? No, just best of luck and and thanks for sticking through with us. If 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 you've made it this far into September, this point in the podcast, uh, we really appreciate it. I know, like again, this is my first year kind of doing pods with you, man, and really doing regular podcasts in general. It's been a blast. So um Best of luck to everyone this kind of final stretch here. If if we helped you at all kind of win your leagues or or, or at least just have fun and, and, and place well or cash or whatever, let us know. We love hearing that yep. stuff, especially as folks in the industry. We do a lot of a lot of work behind the scenes and it's um, it's very, really fulfilling for us to hear from yep. you all that uh, who do well because of our advice. So, um, yeah, it's been fun, man. And yeah, like we're not, we're not skipping a beat. I think we're going straight into 2023. We just put out baseball forecaster cover pages. So that's coming up and then we'll just keep doing the pod and probably do, probably do some look back stuff. Yeah. We'll do some look backs for sure. Do definitely some look backs, look ahead, 
different things. And again, like your listener questions can drive a lot of shows, especially in draft yep. season. Like, let us know what you want. Like that's, we're here for you guys. That's the whole point of the whole deal. So it's a lot of fun chatting it up. It's been fun doing this. I'm glad we kind of made it come to fruition. So that's, that's pretty cool. And I think it's going to keep getting better and better and people do really enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I look forward to paying for your round of golf and probably your drinks and some other things. So it's a, it's been a fun season to say the least. Absolutely. And real quick, uh, Shohei, we said lost his no-no in the eighth. There's a stat from Brody Brazil of uh, the uh, San Jose area. He's, a, I think he's on the Sharks. He says the A's still have the longest active streak in baseball for avoiding no-hitters. 31 years, two months, 18 days. Wow. That's impressive. So at least they have something going for him. Scott Jenstead, you got that going for you, buddy. Don't That's worry right. about it. But all right, we'll wrap it up there. Make sure you guys follow Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ and his work over at BaseballHQ.com. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. We'll be back with you guys next week with some more Bub in the Bloom. Catch you all later. Yeah.